Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Republic Book 2, Glaucon continues his argument against Socrates' position on justice, that justice is something good to have for its own sake. We call it intrinsic good as opposed to an instrumental good. And he's actually playing devil's advocate here. Glaucon himself doesn't buy this position, but he's saying, look, a lot of people say this sort of thing, and I want to get your response to this, Socrates, because if I'm, I'm going to get a good response from anyone, it's probably going to be from you. So he says, look, I'm going to tell you what I think, or what other people think, the origin and the nature of justice is. And they're going to, in essence, say that justice is something like an arrangement that we come to. It's not something valuable for its own sake. It's only valuable because it keeps a certain kind of order or predictability or a safety, security, something like that. And this is one of the early expressions of a type of moral theory that we call contractarianism, or sometimes it's framed in terms of social contract theory. You find a lot of other people in the ancient world expressing similar sentiments. So Plato is really grappling with something, which he doesn't buy, by the way, he doesn't accept. He doesn't think this is really the case, but is a prevalent view, something that is an important contender to take into account. So how does this begin? Well, Lawkins says, by nature, they say, to commit injustice is a good and to suffer it is an evil. So when you have injustice taking place, what do we mean by injustice? Well, we mean things like lying, right? If you lie to somebody, you're getting over on them. You're getting out of something that you ought to do, not taking responsibility for something. You might be manipulating them. There's a lot of different possibilities there. But the the basic idea is you're, you're not doing the right thing, and you're doing something that gives you an undue advantage over them. Stealing would be another example. Right? If you steal, you're keeping your stuff and you're taking somebody else's stuff. Killing somebody would be a matter of injustice, you know, provided there's no reason for you to do it, it's not self defense, executing a criminal or something like that, but you're just killing somebody. Well, you're committing injustice, you're taking away their life. And, you know, let's say you were a sadist, you actually got a kick out of that. You would be getting some benefit to yourself, namely the pleasure which you feel out of humiliating somebody else, committing what the Greeks called hubris wanton insult. Plato doesn't talk about this quite so much, but Aristotle says when somebody commits hubris, they're actually trying to push the other person into a subservient position to make them feel ashamed. And why do they do that? Because it, it makes them feel good. It gives them pleasure. It's, you know, it's going to be discussed as the desire to dominate later on. Well, that's a case where, again, injustice is committed. The doer receives some sort of good. The sufferer receives some sort of bad out of it. Um, you can think of a lot of other examples. Cheating on a spouse, the person who does it, gets to have extra sexual pleasure, maybe they enjoy breaking the rules, the sufferer feels pain as a result, right? Their relationship is broken, they maybe feel like a fool or something along those lines. So, to commit injustice is a good, to suffer it is an evil, and why do people get upset about this then? Well, there's an excess, there's more evil, more bad, than there is good. So, if you have a situation in which... You might say everybody's got an equal chance to either commit wrong or to suffer wrong. 
they're going to look more at the bad side of it that could accrue to them if they happen to suffer wrong. It's almost a lot like rational choice theory, where you're saying, all of the things being equal, I don't know where I'm going to end up. Am I going to be on the short end of the stick or the good end of the stick? If I wind up on you know, the good end of the stick, that works out well for me, but it could work out much worse for me if I, if I wind up on the bad end. So the rational thing to do in a case like that is to say, well, we're not going to let anybody do this. We're going to make sure that everybody observes justice in relation to each other. So he says, when men do wrong and are wronged by another, a taste of both. So it's not a purely hypothetical thing. You realize that, man, I don't like it when other people screw me over, and I'm not getting as much out of screwing them over as other people are posing on me. It doesn't pay off that well. Those who lack the power to avoid the one take the other determine that it's for their benefit to make a compact or a contract or an agreement to neither commit nor suffer injustice. He says this is the beginning of legislation. Legislation, society, all of this comes out of this experience of, man, I don't like getting screwed over and I'm not getting as much fun or enjoyment or good I'm screwing other people over as I'm suffering when I get screwed over myself. So it's better if nobody screws anybody else over. It's better if nobody commits injustice. And that's what legislation and covenants is supposed to do. This, he says, is the beginning of that legislation and covenants between men, and that they name the commandment of the law, the lawful, and the just. That's the genesis and essential nature of justice. A compromise between the best. What is the best? To commit injustice without suffering it. What is the worst? To suffer injustice without getting to commit it in turn. What's the middle point? Justice. It's a mid, it says it's midway between the two. It's accepted and approved, not as a real good, not as something that's desirable for its own sake, but desirable so that you can make sure that this doesn't happen to you. That's the essential social contract idea of justice. It's, it's human beings, by nature, are likely to try to get over on each other, to tilt the scales, to make things work out better for themselves at the expense of somebody else. And it's the, the fact that there's a reversibility involved here, that if I can do that to somebody else, they can do that to me. And that makes me vulnerable to the same kind of harm as I might impose on other people. That makes me say, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't like that. I'm going to be a good guy, and I want everybody else to be good guys too. So we have a system then in which each person displays justice towards each other. And, that, and if, they, if they break that system, if they step out of that, if they try to assert themselves above somebody else, if they turn it into a merely one-way thing, then you get rid of that person. You apply the justice system to them. You find them guilty of a breach of some sort, and you say, okay, you don't, you don't get to stay in our society. Uh, maybe you kill them, you exile them, you do something like that. So he says, justice is not a real good, but a thing honored in the lack of vigor to do injustice. Anybody who had the power to do it and was in reality a man, like you know, somebody who was very assertive, somebody who was dominant, would never make a compact with anyone, either to wrong them or to be wrong, for he would be mad. So if you had an individual who actually is a strong person, that strong person then gets to do injustice to everybody. And actually, it would make sense for them to keep he doesn't talk that much about this, but it would make sense for them in a society to keep, you know, some sort of set of rules and regulations in play 
But he would, he or she would get to decide, you know, how they're applied, and they wouldn't apply to that person, right? This would be essentially what the Greeks called a tyranny, one person rule, or it could be an oligarchy where you have, you know, the rich, or the, literally the few, the oligos, decide what they're going to do, and everybody else is subject to them. Everybody else has to observe justice, but they don't have to observe justice towards what's people. So he says, the nature then of justice is this, and such is this, Socrates, and such are the conditions in which it originates according to the theory. So the idea is that the reason why we have systems of justice is only that we want to keep other people, including these these potentially powerful individuals who would, you know, abuse us and, and use the rules just to consolidate their own power and maybe, you know, work them to their own advantage. We want to keep people like that out. So what do we need to do? Get rid of any people like that, <laughs> the people that are doing injustice, and we make everybody follow the same set of rules. If anybody gets out of line, then we punish them. Now notice, what does this mean? There's nothing there about justice within the person. Justice is something that exists only in the relationship between people, right? Even this notion of injustice is not something that's in the doer and then, in, you know, maybe even in the sufferer. It's something that's in the relationship between them. It's external. It's extrinsic to the person involved. So the just person is not a person in whom there is justice and then they behave justly towards other people. It's just somebody who happens to meet this set of criteria that keeps social order, that preserves the peace between them. So in a, in a situation like this, in a view like this, there's not going to be any attention to development. There's not going to be any focus on the goodness of justice for its own sake. As a matter of fact, everybody's sort of in the know about the fact that, hey, if, if we could break the rules and get away with it, we would. So this is a contractarian understanding of justice that Glaucon is putting forth. Again, he doesn't buy this. He doesn't believe it. Neither does Plato. They're putting it out there as a theory that they want to have in full light so that they can combat it, so that they can come up with something better. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all... Keep studying these great philosophical works.